Well, please grab a Bible if you can, and if you have one, um, and open it up to the book of Psalms. We're going to be in Psalm 96 today. Psalm 96. And as you're turning there, um, I want to bring your attention and observation to some things of, of life. That's where God can most often be found and related to in the things of life. Have you noticed that generally, as Linda said, you and everyone around you like to be odd? You know what I mean? Have you ever thought about it? Why do we spend hours upon hours watching things like America's Got Talent, American Idol, or YouTube videos of crazy things that people do or, or things that are just happen to be caught on camera? Why do we travel hundreds of miles to see a guest speaker hear, or hear them, hear them speak? Why do we build great buildings? Why was this building great? Built, I mean, it's, wow. Why do we love going to sports games and seeing athletes work together to accomplish a win? Why is it that we love the sense of victory when the York Blue and Gold Cannon Association fires off their noisemaker of choice? of which our family is a fan. Why is it that generally people like the 4th of July fireworks? And it's not just for his birthday. Why is it that we like music that gets the blood pumping or music that fits the occasion? Why do we love amazing food? Why do we go to places like Grand Canyon, Niagara Falls, Rocky Mountain National Park, Everest, the moon. Why are we amazed at the birth of a child? It's not simply because they're there. No. We are built for beholding greatness. We are built with an innate craving to be wowed by something or someone. So in our series in the Psalms, Worship Is, my prayer is that you're getting the picture that we are worshipers to the very core. And who or what we worship, who or what we are most wowed by, matters. We're wowed by so many wonderful and good things. So why is it so often that when we get near this book, pick this book up or talk about the things, the people, or the God revealed in this book. We get bored. I would like to challenge us today that while those things like fireworks, mountains, planets, galaxies, the talents of people, the amazing things that God has made, they are amazing but none of them are ultimate. We're not made to stop at the YouTube video. We're not made to stop at the moon or even the farthest planet we might make it to if Jesus tarries and we're allowed to get there. No, we need a bigger vision. We're made for someone greater. We're to worship in real life, life through God's word. We're to worship God by trusting Him. 
We're to worship God by confessing to him that we have a worship problem. That we so often worship ourselves or the things that have been made. And when we have laid down our sins, our worship of other things than God, do you know what happens? Glory. Wonder. Awe. Praise. We were made to praise God. So are you ready today to praise God? Are you? That is what we're here to do. Would you please stand? Hopefully you've gotten there to Psalm 96. And let us praise God hearing his word. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory. Do his name. Bring an offering. Come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. You can have a seat. Worship by praising God. Wow. I remember my son when he was just kind of, his eyes were starting to see things around and every, everything was like, oh, 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 whoa. So let us spend some time praising God. I was thinking and considering three reasons in this scripture that we should praise God and we should worship God by praising him. So number one, Praise God because he is great. Why and how do we praise God? This psalm actually reverses the order, starting with the what and how, and then helping us understand the why. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Did you hear this? We're commanded to sing as one of the means to praise him. I hope this is clear, and I will say this as lovingly as I can. God doesn't care if your voice sounds like a lawnmower hitting a pile of rocks in the yard. And while he might sympathize with your embarrassed spouse, the command is still there. He commands us all to sing. Three times, sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord. 
We worship a Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And actually, that's the point of why we sing. We're not here for us. We're here singing for Him. Let Him be the judge of how well you sing. And what are we to sing? A new song. Now that means a few things and it doesn't mean a few things. Some like to stay in the, the oldies but the goodies. And some people just can't stand anything but things new. Well, that's not what this is getting at. It does mean that we're to sing new, newly made songs. God has given us a spirit of creativity. Ways of expressing him and ways of worshiping and adoring him like we've done this morning already. But we're also to sing the old songs with renewed freshness as we think on God's word. And we're also to sing because of the new thing God has done. His salvation has been offered. And that is new in the history of the world. All the earth is to sing to him, not just here. God was meant to be praised by every person who has ever lived or who will ever live on this planet. Not everyone will or has. But he has commanded it to be done. And why his name? Bless his name as we sing. Because where God's name is, that's where his people are. That's where people are saved. And I'm not making this up either. The Apostle Matthew quotes Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 3, and says at the end of it that it is in the name of God's Messiah, who is God in the flesh, that he is the one in which the Gentiles, a.k.a. you and me, non-Jews, should hope. Or the Apostle John in his gospel, chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, that's Jesus, who is in the beginning with God and who was God, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. In his name. And we could go on and on and on through this book about the glory of his name. So it makes perfect sense, because in this psalm, that's actually what's commanded of us next, that his name is tied to his salvation. Tell of his salvation from day to day, verse 2. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. God's person and work, particularly of salvation, are to be made known to everyone. We need to hear and we need to proclaim this gospel everywhere, every day. There are many voices to listen to in this world. And we have a choice to make every day, many times a day. Whose voice are we going to listen to? Are we going to listen to the voice of God? Are we going to make who he is and what he's done known to our neighbors, to other states, to other nations? Or should God's voice be silent to them 
day to day? Why every day? Why not just Sundays? Why can't we just have the rest of the other six days to do it, talk about whatever we want to talk about? Why every day does he tell us to tell of his salvation? We as spiritual beings, we forget a lot. When we leave these doors, many of my words will probably be forgotten. We're to tell of his salvation from day to day because we forget. Many of us have little kids here or are the uh, kind of surrogate grandparents of kids here. How many times do we have to tell them, put that away? Don't need any more cookies. Sit still. Be kind to your sister or brother. Daily? Multiple times a day? Multiple times in one hour? We are to mature in Christ, yes. And one of the ways we mature in Christ is by hearing this good news over and over and letting it rest upon us as a new song. Another reason is that we are often discouraged. With distraction comes discouragement. Let's confess that sometimes the combination of our spiritual forgetfulness, the loud multitude of voices in our world clamoring for our attention, our continued failures, and our perceived slowness in spiritual growth all contribute not to being encouraged, but to being discouraged. Just a personal example. Do you know how easy it was for me, preparing to preach this psalm on praising God, how easy it was for me to be discouraged by this or that little and insignificant thing in life. But that's why we go back here. That's why we go back to his word. Because we are called to work with the Holy Spirit and build ourselves up by preaching this good gospel daily and build up those around us with this good gospel daily, day to day. Why? For great is the Lord, verse 4, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Why preach to ourselves? Why tell others and speak of God's glory and his marvelous works? <laughs> He's actually great. He actually, the only being ever to fully and 100% get that title. Look at what he's done. The real reason that the stars seem so wonderful, the sunrise so inspiring, the sincere laughter of real people so infectious, the talents of pe people so applause-worthy, is that they're all supposed to point to the greatest one ever. God himself. He made the heavens. He made the human eye. He gave us taste buds. He allowed us to smell pumpkin pie. He formed our ears to hear music. But not just this. He is great because he has worked salvation. He has brought dead sinners like you and me to life in the life of his son. A thing impossible he has done. When he could have just left us to perish in our condemnation.
Look at what he's compared to in this psalm. For all the gods of the peoples. Here are the many voices in our world rising up to try to capture our ears and capture our worship. The reformer John Calvin rightly observed that the voices also didn't just come from out there, but they also come from within our hearts, our very beings apart from God, as he said, a perpetual forge of idols. Listen to his observation of how this works. The human mind, listen to this, the human mind stuffed as it is with presumptuous rashness dares to imagine a God suited to its own capacity as it labors under dullness, nay, is sunk in the grossest ignorance, it substitutes vanity and an empty phantom in the place of God. To these evils another is added. The God whom man has thus conceived inwardly, he attempts to embody outwardly. The mind in this way conceives the idol and the hands give it birth. Idols. Worthless idols. The word here for idol is literally no things. Idols, in their essence, are worthlessness because they're nothing. We should not listen to nothings, church. We ought to listen to the someone, the Lord, who actually made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. He is stunning. He is greater. We are to be filled with awe and wonder at this God. We are to sing and proclaim. We are to praise him because he is the voice we are to listen to. We are to praise him because he is great. This has been termed as God's transcendence. God being totally above, totally other than a mere creature, beyond his and superior to his creation. But we can praise him. Why? Because that God, that great superior God, has not stayed far off. He has come near what is called imminence. And not only come near, but he wants us to come into his presence to worship him and know him. Which brings us to the next portion of this psalm. We are to praise God because we are welcome in his presence. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. This great God who made the heavens, who has done marvelous works, who is glorious beyond compare, we, you and I, are welcome in his presence. How is this possible? Well, again, we're going to say it multiple times today. Remember what we are to proclaim day to day? His salvation. And what is our salvation? It is the gospel of his son. He did not stay far away, but he sent his son to draw near so that we could be near to him. God's most prominent works. He made the heavens. He's the creator. 
and He is the Redeemer and Restorer. He is the Savior. And this is a kind of an old-fashioned word, but such a great choice. A scribe. What does that mean? Well, in a base sense, it means give. But it also is so much more than that. It's proclaim reality. Proclaim it with your whole being. Ascribe to him. Praise is our response to beholding God who is great. And look again. Ascribe is commanded three times, just like sing. Ascribe to him glory and strength. The glory due his name. And again, there it is, his name. And with all of this overwhelming vision and proclamation of who God is and what he has done, what are we commanded to do? Run? Are we commanded to hide? Are we commanded to stay where we are, minding our own business, pursuing our own little world and our own little interests? Are we to stay living a comfortable life? What are we commanded to do? With all the greatness of God, we are commanded to come into his presence. The King of Kings wants you and me to be there with him. And you may have noticed the theme in this psalm. This praise was not just for the nation of Israel. And though it was. And this praise is not just for York Evangelical Free Church. Though it is, this praise is for all. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. The gospel is for everyone. Jew and Greek, slave and free, male and female, young and old, child and adult, every imaginable skin color, every nation, no matter how hostile they may currently be to God Almighty. The gospel of redemption, of the possibility to come into God's presence and worship him because of what he has done, not because of anything we have done, is wide open, wide open for everyone. Jesus Christ said he was the way, the truth, and the life. It is by his death and his life that all can come, including me, including you. So the question is, will you come? Will you tell of his salvation day to day, declaring his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the peoples? And we have to confess our repeated failure to do so and to turn to him. But when we turn to him, when we believe him, we bring an offering into his courts. His offering has already been made. We can't make that one. We can't save ourselves. But we can bring the offering of praise for what he has done. The offering of thanks. Because God isn't obligated to save. He's not obligated to make known to us his mighty works. He's definitely not obligated to show us his glory. Much less lets us sinners come into his holy presence. does. And do you know what happens when we do, when we come into his presence, when we humbly obey him into the presence of the most holy God? We are made holy. 
We cannot remain in the presence of God and remain unchanged. Praise God for that. Not only is the presence of God majestic, impressive, beautiful, awe-inspiring, glorious, but all that remains there to worship him is made holy for him, fit to worship. So let us praise God that we are welcome in his presence because of Jesus Christ. And there is a fear to be had about this. Jesus has made us sons and daughters of God the Father, but he is still our Father. He is infinitely greater than we are. And so when we are in his presence, though there is joy, there ought to be some trembling. Tremble before him all the earth. Someone once said that you should come to the church service with your football helmets on, not knowing what God might do. Work out your own salvation, Philippians says, with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. All the earth, all creation ought to be doing this. God, not just anyone, God, creator, sustainer, savior. In his presence, we ought to feel gloriously small and have our breaths taken away. Tremble before him, all of the earth. And in the presence of a God like this, with creation as broken as it is, because if you look at your own life, if you look at the world around you, things are not just peachy keen. I think peachy keen's pretty low bar, by the way, in God's economy. And when it's that state, it says, tremble before him, all the earth, you'd think that everything would just rip apart. Psalm 114 says that the mountains themselves skip like rams, like wild bucking sheep. And then Psalm 18.7 says, Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. It's poetry, sure. But it's describing something, frankly, terrifying. We sing in one of the songs, The sky be rolled back like a scroll. So with this trembling, what are we to do? What are we to do? Does he command us to run? Does he command us to hide? No, he commands us to praise. The same thing. Come, praise him. Say among the nations, verse 10, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Praise God because he reigns. God is great. He welcomes us into his presence and he reigns. Therefore, when all the earth trembles before him, as it should, it will not be undone. We will not be put to death. Why? Have you ever wondered what it meant in this verse, verse 10? The Lord reigns. He says this, and then he goes on to say, yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. I have wondered about that for a long, long time. How does that fit? Well, one of the best ways to help find how things fit in Scripture is to let Scripture interpret Scripture. Letting the words of God interpret the words of God. So we need to turn over to Colossians. You can turn there, or I can just read it. Colossians chapter 1, 
verses 15 through 17. He, that is Jesus the Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn above all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Did you hear that? When God reigns, when God is king, and he is, the creation is on firm footing. It's on solid ground. When we depart and rebel against God's ruling the universe, do you know what happens? Chaos! Chaos in our lives. Chaos all around us. That's why creation was broken, because of sin, because of rebelling against God's rule. But with him, the world is established. It shall never be moved. And the verse goes on. He will judge the peoples with equity. We don't like to talk about judgment, but we're going to do it because it's in here. And God is perfectly just. That's how the world is established, in his justice. He does it perfectly. And we need to just dispense with the popular deception that God's final judgment will be arbitrary and unjust. The question is not, how could a good God send sinners to hell? The question is, how could a good God let sinners into heaven? There won't be any confusion about justice being done with God. Because his judgment is the only judgment pure and just. And so many times, even many times to no fault of the governing authorities around us, justice is not done here. Or it is abused, this side of eternity. But let us not judge the principle of God's justice based on our seeing the abuse of justice in this world. The resurrection of Christ, a historical fact, is the confirmation that he will come to judge the world. And according to the Evangelical Free Church's statement of faith, which we hear at your key free adhere to, God will raise the dead bodily and judge the world, assigning the unbeliever to condemnation and eternal conscious punishment, and the believer to eternal blessedness and joy with the Lord. So what does that mean? His justice is meted out, either completed in Christ, for the one who has faith in Christ, or for the person who rejects Christ, they will have to stand on their own with only their sins as a defense. But that does not need to be you or me today because of God's marvelous works. This should fill us with joy, church. This should fill us with praise. Our God has not abdicated his throne, even though we tried to throw him off. Our God has not fallen asleep at the wheel of history. Far from it. He has been intimately involving himself in the affairs of the goings-on here since the beginning. 
And he has chosen to bring from the chaos that we brought on a people called by his own name whose justice for our wickedness was placed on Christ, who, as the book of Romans states, was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. And it's because that's real, that's the case. We get to see this next part and praise him for what happens when the Lord reigns with perfect justice. The whole creation responds Again, this may be poetry, but please, try to imagine. God has given you a brain to imagine things. Let's imagine this. Let the heavens be glad. Verse 11. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Have you imagined this? Have you thought this? This can be your meditation today as you go. The whole creation breathing one great big sigh of relief. Cheering like you've never heard before. Why is creation rejoicing? Because he comes. The one who makes all things new. The one who makes all things right. He comes. Creation has been groaning for so long. Romans 8, verses 19 through 24 says this about creation. The creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God and daughters of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons and daughters, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Praise him because he reigns. our tendency of ourselves because of our sin and our desire to escape its effects, we try to numb ourselves with other gods that cannot satisfy. Our groaning is still there. So let us no longer seek escape, but bow before the truth. God has brought salvation in Jesus Christ. The worthlessness of idols is just that, worthlessness. But God is worth all. And he will satisfy. He does not numb the pain, but he ultimately does even better. He removes it and will heal that which has been broken forever. He comes. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in faithfulness. Our God is righteous. It means he's right on all the time. And he's faithful. He never abandons his promises. He never breaks one. He always keeps them. Every single one. And his promises are available for you and for me. If we will trust him. 
He is worthy of praise because he is a righteous and faithful king. So can you doubt that that is what we need to hear every day? A line from a popular song seems to sum it up well. This is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. So what do we do with this? Well, Lord willing, you and I have already been doing it in our time this morning. But when we leave this room today, we will be confronted by billions of voices, even our own little self-talk, telling us all sorts of things that we are to praise, all sorts of things and people to worship. We, will be our, we, will, we ourselves will be our own enemies if we do not have these words held as they are, truth planted firmly and rooted deeply in us. That is what we must do. (laughs) We must praise the God who is great, who saves, who reigns, until we praise the God who is great, who saves, who reigns when he comes. And we to encourage our brothers and sisters, one another, in the church, We're to tell of the wonderful things to our neighbors, our co-workers, our baristas, our servers at the lunch restaurant, to praise him as well. We are made to praise. We are made to be wowed. We worship by praising the ultimate wow, God himself. We are made to have our breath taken away, our hearts filled, our spirits set to soaring, our minds blown by the one true God who saves because he is great, who welcomes us into his presence, and who reigns forever and ever. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are worthy of praise. Your name is great. There is no other. We thank you for your faithful word in which you are made known, and we get the privilege to know you. Praise you that you didn't stay far off. Praise you that you work amazing things. You bring the impossible and make it possible. Thank you that you have raised the dead. Thank you that you have raised the spiritually dead and brought them to life in your son. Lord, we ask for your favor to help us continue to praise you as we sing and as we end our service and especially, Lord, as we go out the other six days of this week to praise you. Let the words on our lips and the meditations of our hearts be that of praising you not of pursuing worthlessness. Lord, we cannot do this on our own, so we ask for your help. And Lord, we thank you that you are able and fully and wonderfully willing to give it. 
May you be honored and may you be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.